Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of Tour Talk. Seems like Tuesdays are now our uh, breaking news, historic days in golf, and yesterday was no different as representatives for the PGA Tour sat down to uh, meet with the Senate on Capitol Hill. We're going to go across the pond because... Uh, He's on a, a world tour at the moment in terms of global golf. Uh, Bob Herrig from SI.com. Hey, Bob. Hello. How are you? I know you uh, just came off the Live event in London. You're now at the Scottish Open, and we'll get to all that as we lead up to the fourth major, the Open Championship, next week in Liverpool. But uh, first, just uh, your quick recap. I don't know if quick is the appropriate adjective here, but of uh, your takeaways from yesterday's meeting in Washington, D.C. Well, I think it was mostly what we learned was kind of the uh, pie-in-the-sky goals on either side. And, you know, there wasn't much in terms of the hearings that, that produced any new ground as far as where this is going. But the documents that were released kind of showed a picture of, of what Liv wants and what the tour wants. And from where I sit, they're not close. You know, they're just not. I mean, Liv is suggesting that they're going to go on as is, and the PGA Tour says they're going to decide Liv's fate. And it's pretty basic. Uh, those two things are, are in opposition, you know, because... For Liv to go on as is would require the PGA Tour to compromise on some things, um, and yet so would Liv. You know, Liv, to, to be a partner with the PGA Tour, you can't be doing it exactly the same way. There's no way that's going to work. So uh, uh, I, I think that they've got a, they've got a long way to go, and, and I think what we learned yesterday might, might cast some doubt as to whether or not we'll ever get an agreement. Yes, I, I would say that was um, perhaps one of the most revealing aspects of the three-hour Senate hearing, uh, just how far apart they could be with this framework deal. Interestingly, the PGA Tour and Live Golf discussed making Tiger Woods and Rory McElroy golf uh, team captains. Yeah, and actually, I think that was more, that was a pith suggestion. It, you know, it was what they proposed. Um, I, I think the tour pretty quickly uh, squelched that because it wasn't in the framework agreement. And, you know, there was a bunch of stuff in there that was proposed that from both sides, like some of the, you know, Liv proposed that they get world ranking points and that it goes retro, retroactive to their very first event. That's hard to believe that that could happen. Um, there was talk about Yasser becoming a member at Augusta and of the International Golf Federation. I mean, come on. I mean, Augusta National memberships are not doled out like that. You know, I mean, Jay's not a member of, the, of Augusta National. You know, so you're going to put, you're going to put Yasser as a member? I mean, you know, I mean, it's just there's some things on there that were a bit out, out of out of control, 
Um, you know, and then maybe on the PGA Tour side, that they're going to have, like, all the power, that doesn't seem possible either. These guys are the ones that are putting the money in. Right. So that's why I say there's a lot of disconnect, you know. And, you know, Liv has a lot of reasons to feel like maybe that, they, that they've got a good chance of existing as they are. But yet, if you're going to have an agreement and you're going to have be under this one banner, you know, as I was saying, I just don't see how it works as it is. They're, they 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 still need to get a TV deal that's better than the one they have. They need sponsors, and if if they're going to be going up against the PGA Tour, they're going to have a hard time getting that. Uh, and you know, uh, now yeah, are there some barriers that have been knocked down? Certainly. You know, you certainly can't use the moral argument from, for, uh, you know, sticking with the PGA Tour, you know, because by them willing, be willing to agree with them, that's now gone. So Liv feels it's got an upper hand there. Hey, you, look, you know, you can associate with us now. They were willing to, you know. And we all, I already saw it last week uh, at, at the Liv event. The, the guy who's the CEO of Hero, who's always there with Tiger at his press conference in the Bahamas, who, who dropped uh, Anurban Lahiri, an Indian golfer, last year as soon as he signed with Liv. Well, he was playing in the Liv Pro-Am with Phil, of all people. So, I mean, he's in the Pro-Am at the Liv event, like, within weeks after this deal is, is, is announced. And he, you know, had sworn off Liv before and, you know, I actually had a chance to talk to him briefly, and he said, look, he goes, this changed everything. Now, now, that, they've, now that they've agreed, you know, they, there can be peace, and we, we need this in golf. Well, you know, when you're on the PGA Tour side and you're a Tiger who's been vehemently against this, and now the guy who supports your charitable event is, is actually looking at live, and, you know, the, the rumblings are that he wants to bring a live event to India. He has an event on the PGA's, on the TP World Tour in India, the Hero World uh, Indian Open. Obviously, he's got Tiger's event. And now he's talking about a live event. You know, I mean, that to me, is, it's, it's good if it all can work out together. They can all have agreement. But, but where to get to that point just seems like a long time away. I thought another interesting comment was made by in a Rich Lerner interview with one of the senators that Liv um, really was at a disadvantage. The tour had the upper hand in terms of what appeared to be the litigation and the decisions, and and now it's almost flipped in terms of who's got the leverage. And what you're speaking to sort of demonstrates that. Yeah, I mean, if the tour doesn't come to an agreement, then Liv has the ability to just go on as it was. And what's to stop them from poaching more PGA Tour players? I would argue on the other side of it, though, on the tour side of it, you know, for all the Liv people who talk about how great it is, they have no, you know, substantive t TV deal. They have virtually no sponsors. Some of the teams are starting to get sponsors. Liv has started to get sponsors, some, but not enough. Um, they are going to have some success playing in international venues where the venues will pay them to come there, which is good. You know, that helps defray the costs. But, again, they're paying out – I try to explain this to, to people. They're paying out $25 million in purses every tournament they play. 
On the PGA Tour, the purses are covered by the title sponsor of the network TV deal. The tour pays nothing, not out any of that. I mean, the tour kicks money into the purses from its TV rights deal, but it's getting that money. You know, so like the purses, let's let's even just take the, a, the you know, a, a, like this week I think is a $12 million, $10 million purse. Let's say this week, $10 million. Okay, that's covered. Let's say it costs another $5 million to stage the event, put up all the infrastructure, all the tents, all the hospitality. That's covered. The local organizing groups in all the tour towns, you know, they put up that money. Live does not have that. They're putting up a $25 million purse. They're paying the five, six, however many millions it costs to stage the event. They're paying for the travel of all their employees to go to these events and run them. On the PGA Tour, those people are local. The, the, the local organizing body pays for it. So you could see, a, and then when you throw in the TV production costs that Liv has to pay for, I mean, you, you could see them easily being on the hook for 30 to $40 million per tournament. Ticket sales, merchandise is a pittance. Let's say it even got back $10 million of it. Which would be a lot. You're still 30 million short. You're gonna do if you do that 14 times. What is that? That's uh, you know over 400 million, almost 500 million dollars, just right there. Forget about their paying their staff and all the other things they have to do. At some point, they need to curb the the, the spending, and the best way for them to do that. And one of the reasons I think they wanted to try to make a deal was they could leverage the PGA Tour. If they're partners, the PGA Tour can steer sponsors to them. They could probably include them in a rights deal that they all benefit from in terms of TV. And it starts to make some sense economically. Nobody's going to want to bring them under a for-profit banner and have it lose money. That doesn't make sense. You know, that's why this is so up in the air and so difficult to figure out. I think we certainly learned a lot from it. And again, as often happens with these things, there are many more questions to be answered. We've got a lot of golf ahead of us. You're uh, across the pond, as I said. Fill us in what's happening with the Scottish Open. About to uh, tee off tomorrow. And as we round the bend for the Open Championship. Yeah, we're at the, as they say here, the Renaissance Club. Um, <laughs> I think by the time I'll be, I get home, I'll be saying aluminum instead of aluminum and con contributed instead of contributed. They have some different um, pronunciations of, of words than we do. Right. <laughs> the same word, different pronunciation. But anyway, um, yeah, this, the Scottish Open is, is really a nice tournament. I mean, it, this this course is right next to Muirfield, uh, you know, home of uh, several very, very big Open championships over the years. Um, it's down the road from Gullen, where they've played the Scottish Open before. It's right next door to North Berwick, where if anybody's ever been to North Berwick and played their West Links, it's probably one of the most fun times to have playing golf. Uh, and it's just a tiny little speck on the globe here, but it's really cool. And, you know, the Renaissance Club, as they say, is kind of like a hybrid links 
it's a modern lynx. It's not probably quite what you would like, like a Muirfield or a North Barrick or a Gullen where, you know, they've been around for a hundred plus years, but it's got a lot of lynx-like qualities. You know, there's a lot of wind. They've kind of got the wispy rough. You've got firm greens. The ball runs. So it's a good, it's kind of a good timer for next week. Uh, when the Open goes down to England at, uh, at Royal Liverpool. Right. It's a, it's a big two-week stretch, and you've got a lot of the top players over there. Uh, what's the buzz this week? And, um, you know, in terms of uh, the over-under on whether you, you know, it's a good thing to win the Scottish Open a week before the, the British Open. Uh, it's certainly produced some great winners over the, past few years yeah i mean xander shawson won last year and that was a great um victory for him and but it's hard to win two weeks in a row you can't plan it really uh you know all those years ago uh phil won the scottish open the week before winning at Muirfield, and i think the scottish open win really gave him a boost of confidence because it gave him the belief that he could play lynx golf so I don't think it hurts to do well. You know, the, 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 you know, the drawback is is that it's like a late tea time on Sunday. You know, it's going to be windy. The weather is not particularly warm. And it's a grind, you know. And if, if you'd prefer to ease your way into the open and, and get some looks at Hoylake first, you know, you're not really getting to do that this week. But, look, anymore, a lot of these guys like to compete the week before a big tournament. You know, Rory did it the week before the U.S. Open again this year. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, Jordan Spieth is here. Uh, Justin Thomas, Xander, as I said, uh, Scotty Scheffler. You know, it's it's. Um, I think there's probably more positives than negatives to, to playing a week like this. And Cam Smith coming off another win at Live Golf. Um, the defending champion for the Open Championship. Uh, a lot of eyes on Cam, I imagine. There will be. I mean, I think that was a good boost for him last week. You know, obviously he's not playing this week, but he played last week and, and got a win, and it never hurts to win. It, it gets some confidence and some good vibes. And, and look, he won despite not hitting it that great. Like he even said, he goes, I got to straighten out my driver. He said, I've been working on it all year, and I had finally kind of gotten to the point where it was pretty good, and it went away from me again this week, and he won despite it. Like he uh, he had some issues with the driver and managed to pull through. Uh, Patrick Reed made a good run at him on Sunday, and Dustin Johnson had a good final round. And, look, they were not playing a Lynx course. It was a Parkland Inland course. But I think, you know, playing some good golf. And now I'm assuming that those guys all are staying over. Uh, and they were going to spend time in London and do the sightseeing stuff and then, you know, get to Hoylake this weekend. And, you know, they're acclimated. They, you know, they've, they've, they played competitively. Now they can get used to Hoylake. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see a good run out of a couple of the live guys again next week. Well, speaking of that, we really haven't seen much good golf out of Brooks Kepka since the PGA Championship. Uh, what's uh, what's the buzz on Brooks? 
Yeah, I mean, look, Brooks was, uh, um, you know, he, obviously he was pretty indifferent the week after the PGA at the Live event. And then, uh, you know, the U.S. Open, he was just way out of it. You know, just not a great tournament. Uh, never was really in the tournament. Um, was okay at their Spain event and the, and the London event. You know, no, nothing special, but no, he wasn't horrible. And, you know, I think we've just come to learn with Brooks that, you know, he, he just doesn't have the fire for a regular event, you know. And, and uh, again, I don't know for sure. I did not ask him, but I'm assuming he's staying. And, you know, he, he's got an opportunity to – to, to get some work done on the course and, and get and get it dialed in and not burn yourself out, you know, in the days leading up to it. You know, if I were one of those guys, I would, uh, I'd, have, I'd have maybe gone down to Holy Lake, say, tomorrow and Friday, you know, get everything dialed in, all my numbers, get the sight lines figured all out, you know, put in some good work. And then on Saturday and Sunday, I'd go play Lynx golf somewhere fun, you know, somewhere else just to play. And then go back and play nine holes Monday, Tuesday, or, you know, you know, practice, whatever. You don't have to overdo it. And you go into the open pretty fresh, but with a good knowledge of the course. So uh, we'll see how they're able to take advantage of that. Well, I know we get to have some mimosas and our bunny slippers on when we're watching the Scottish Open and the Open Championship. And uh, always great golf uh, that Lynx Golf brings uh, to golf fans. Bob, we appreciate your time. Uh, throw your dart. Who are you picking for the Scottish Open? You know what? I, I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler to win back-to-back events. How about that? Wow. So he's another guy over here. So uh, I think it's uh, pretty cool if he could do it again. And he won a Scottish Open several years ago. And, uh, you know, he's got to be feeling pretty good about things. Yeah, I like that pick. And I think uh, Ricky is uh, popular no matter what side of the pond he's on. So uh, it's going to be a, a fun week and weekend. We appreciate your time, Bob Herrig from SI.com, coming to us live from the Scottish Open. Thank you so much.